Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. See, the impartation that God wants you to have in your life comes from people. This is how we often face this. We come from, from living in a world. We come from living in a world where it's like, hey, find the answers in yourself and you'll be okay and self-help and self-help and like you can find it in and of yourself. And then we come into, we come into church and we meet Jesus and then, he, then we try to apply the same principles that we were living out in the world in the church. So we look for solutions still in and of ourselves. And it's not like you don't have a relationship with God and in your Bible reading in the morning, in your prayer time, God doesn't fix you and God doesn't speak to you. God does a lot of that. But there's this other impartation that he will only bring through people. Impartation comes through people, not through words on paper. It comes through people. The impartation of the scripture comes because of Jesus, the person, but he will also set people in your life that bring an impartation. Here's a thought that I had while I was in the green room that I think will start the sermon off in the right direction. See, if God only spoke to you directly, your pride would likely remain. Right, because you would think that, okay, I'm, but see, God is like, I've given you some gifts that can only be unwrapped in your life when you let the people into your life that I have commanded and set apart and thought about and chosen to be there. So what happens is if we just go to God, you can have this individualistic Christianity going on. And if you're new to faith or you're just exploring faith, don't come into faith and be like, hey, it's just going to be me and God. Well, it just wasn't you before, and it's just not you and God, because that's not the way God wants it. Impartation comes through people. And if it doesn't come through people, and if you don't have other people in your life that God has placed there, your pride likely would remain, and your pride is actually the basis of most of your problems. So we go to God hoping that he'll give us something that he won't give us through people, and God's already given it through a person. We haven't found that person yet. This is why it's so important when, when people are like, hey, pray for me. I'm like, I will pray for you. I will pray for your marriage. Absolutely. I'll pray for your parenting. I'll pray for your kids. I'll pray. I'll pray. Get in a small group. Because the impartation comes through people. The impartation that you need comes through people. We're starting a marriage small group. We're starting another leadership small group this, this uh, a week. And so, you know, Pastor Aaron and I are starting a marriage. When you start a marriage small group, you come, you partake in the impartation that comes from what God has given to people. If you could solve it in your home, you'd have fixed it by now. But it's not fixed. We're missing it. Then we, then we look at God and we're like, how come you're not fixing? God's like, I'm trying to. I gave the answer to them for you. Oh. I, um, one of my gifts is that I impart courage to people. I impart this like belief to people. And one of the things that I do, one of the people that I impart a lot of courage to is, um, is Pastor Aaron, because Pastor Aaron doesn't like winter. So I have cold weather courage, meaning like when it's time to walk our kids to school or, you know, because every day we walk Neela to school and every morning it's the same thing with Aaron. She's just like, can we just drive her? And it's been cold in Canada. Can I hear an amen? It is cold. It has been cold here for like two months. And finally I'm like, this is it. We need more exercise. We're going to get out. And then Aaron gets this like, well, I want to want to drive. And I'm like, we need to walk, Neela. We're going to walk, Neela. Neela needs exercise. We need exercise. We need to get out there. And every single morning, it's the same thing. Every single morning, I get, and if it's cold, if it's like minus 30-something with a wind chill, I, because I don't care how I look to people when I'm walking to school. Like, I'm walking on back paths, and people aren't paying attention. I don't care. So Neela and I, we wear snow pants 
and like toques and neck warmers. Because I've thought about it. And every morning, Pastor Aaron walks out with no snow pants. She got a toque on, but no neck warmer. Every morning. Every single morning. Every single morning. We get halfway to school, and so it's a quarter of the whole distance of the trip. And every morning, and the other morning, what, what happened was we got halfway to school, and then it, it starts dawning on her. I'm freezing cold. And every morning I look over, no neck warmer, no snow pants. Well, I can't give her my snow pants because that would take too long. Every morning, in a bad attitude, I'm like, do you want my neck warmer? I know it's cold every morning. It's going to be cold tomorrow morning. Neck warmer. Neck warmer. It's the same thing. Like, where's your neck warmer, Aaron? Then, do you want my neck warmer? And she's always like, because Pastor Aaron is stubborn. She's like, no. I'm like, okay. Every morning. It's not a fight. It's like a fight. It's the same thing every morning. I'm just like, every morning. She walks out, and she walks out of the house in yoga pants. Yoga pants, I'm like, is not protection against the weather. Every single morning. I think... I think what she's trying to do is force God to change the weather by wearing yoga pants. This sermon is called Yoga Pants. She's trying to force God to change the weather to something warm by just wearing yoga pants outside. Like, God, I'm going to do this. As you ever have a kid who's like, I'm going to hold my breath until I pass out. I'm not eating those. I'm not eating my carrots. I'm going to hold my breath. If you grew up in my home, dad would just be like, okay. And he'd pick you up after, you know, put you in bed. Sometimes we try to to force God by wearing yoga pants. Sometimes we try to force God to package a solution that's just to us when he's packaged it to give another person, to give to us. Sometimes we try to force God by holding our breath or by wearing yoga pants or whatever that looks like to give us a solution, but not in the form that he wants to, but in the form that we want it. The other day we were were walking and a gust of wind hit us and Aaron, who had been in front with Neela, who's nice and cozy, and I'm nice and cozy. Aaron had been in front. All of a sudden, I look up, and Aaron's not there. Aaron is, is drafting behind me, matching my step, walking down the... And she's just like, she's in there, just, just tucked in behind me. I'm taking the brunt of the wind now, but you know what? I'm prepared. I'm a leader. I'm a point leader, and I'm like, in my brain, this is what I do. If I'm, if I'm cold outside, I'm like, this trip will take 20 minutes round trip. In 15 minutes, I'm not going to die. And then I stop feeling cold. It's a magical thing that I have that Aaron does not have. The cold air, and I quote, takes the air out of my lungs. You know, I found a solution. Wear a neck warmer. You can't force God to change the weather. It's funny, though, um, and I love my wife, and I, of course, talked to her about sharing this. And um, I did. I'm not lying. I'm being real. It's funny, though, because um, my, my wife is, is soft, and she's more emotionally driven than I am. It's funny that before a, a, one of our kids has a birthday party, and she's throwing a birthday party, she won't sleep all night. She has all this like nervous energy and stuff, and I'm like, why don't you just relax, Erin? Like, if there's candy, kids are fine. They don't care if everything runs smoothly. She just she wants everybody to have a good time, and she's just kind of nervous that way and wants to make sure it works out. We're doing this huge thing for Easter. Maybe you haven't heard about this. We're just rolling this out. So... So we're going to have this uh, a big worship experience here. You will get here early if you want to get a seat. And then what we're doing is we're going to have like a big Easter egg hunt in Ed Edgar Field right behind Genesis Place and just take that whole thing over. We're going to do a whole corporate sponsorship thing in there to connect people to the businesses in town. And it's going to be, it's going to be huge. And so, um, 
So, but Aaron, you know, in, in staff on Wednesday, we start talking about this, like, hey, we need to start organizing this. And so Aaron, all Wednesday night, doesn't sleep. You know what Aaron's problem is when she can't sleep about something like that? She sometimes forgets that she's not in charge. Hold on. She forgets that she's not in charge of the church. And I said to her in the morning when she wakes up, I'm like, baby, this ultimately doesn't fall on you. It falls on me. If it's a failure of mass proportion, it falls on me. And I'm sleeping. I have a team of people on it that are way better at this than we are. It's going to get done. In fact, I think, and I'm totally wrong, I think we could probably do this in like two weeks. Because in my mind, everything is like, how hard could it be, right? I thought about that, and I was laughing about that with Erin, and it's just cute. And, she, and then she wakes up, and she's all tired because she's been thinking about Easter. And I'm like, baby, you forget that you're not in charge. And I got thinking, that's what the problem is in our lives. See, God will never make you your own leader. I said, God will never make you your own leader. And when you forget that, you think that you're in charge of your life. You think that it actually falls on you. The funny thing is, I'm not really in charge of the church goddess. So if it all falls apart, well, you know what? He's the senior partner here. We just did the best we could. We obeyed. We, we, got, we sought counsel. We, we worked hard. But at the end of the day, this is not my church. At the end of the day, you on a human scale will never be at the tip of a spear. You will never be at the top of the ladder. The only person up there is God. And you are somewhere in that chain. And until you find your place, you will always feel invisible. And if you think that the only person that matters is the person in charge, you are dead wrong. But the other side of that is that we need to get to today is that God will never make you your own leader. And when you fall for that trap, somehow we fall for it in Christianity. When you fall, that's what everybody else is falling for. But when you fall for that trap, when there's you and God, and, and you think that God will make you your own human leader, what a weight that is to live under. It's exhausting. But that's part of Canadian culture. And that's what we need to address in this series. I, um, I saw an interview with Bono from U2. Any U2 fans in the house? I love U2, and I listen to, to U2 about, you know, for a, a month straight every 10 years or so. And... Um, I heard an interview from, uh, Bono was getting interviewed by an American, and they said, what do people in Ireland uh, think of your influence? Like, how do they respond to you? And he goes, Americans, now I'm, I'm going to talk to Canadians in a minute, but here goes, he says, Can I, uh, Americans are very different than the Irish when they see the person living in the house at the top of the hill. The American looks up there and says, someday that'll be me. And he says, the Irish look up there and say, someday I'll get him. We have in our culture in Canada very much of that Irish kind of a colonialism, but get this, get this, get this. We have a queen, but we don't have to do as she says. And this has seeped into every area of our society, and then we try to bring this into the church, meaning we don't have a king that we have to obey anymore. We don't have a leader that we have to follow. I get to lead me. I get it. It has made us terrible at following. And here's what I know that if you can't be a good follower, you will be a terrible leader. 
The Bible says if, if you can't be faithful in what is another person's, why would God give you something that's your own? And so this is it. Everybody wants to be in charge, but nobody wants to follow. Right, right. Every man wants to be in charge of his home, right? And I hear this all the time. Like, I'm, I'm supposed to be obeyed in my home. And I'm like, who do you obey? Well, it's just me and Jesus. Really? That's why you're a terrible husband and father. If, can I hear an amen, ladies? I'm like, that's why. Oh, now I know why. Because you're a terrible follower. And in Canada, we have created this anti-leadership culture. And when you create an anti-leadership culture, the nations might think you're nice, but they will tend to ignore you. And it is time that Canadians, that we rise up in our society and find the significance that God intended us to have. But you cannot have that. You cannot have leadership until you can follow. And if you think that God will make you your own leader, you will spend your entire lifetime trying to be at the top of the thing. But somebody was saying yesterday, you know, working on their leadership. And yeah, you should work on your leadership. But you know what makes you a better leader? Following better. When you follow better, God will make you a better leader. When you watch your leaders and when you respect them and when you obey them and when you teach your kids to obey their leaders, who are you? When you teach them, no, no, obey. I know what's best for you. I know what. And when you teach, when you teach people to, when we follow better as a nation, but see, Canada anoints no kings. So we have this crabs in a bucket thing, which is like, nobody's important but the one at the very top. So what we do by that, because we secretly know that we don't have the capacity to run the whole nation. So what we secretly do is it's crabs in a bucket. If anybody rises a little bit, we just pull them back down to our level. But the Americans know something that we don't. Now I get that they've got problems. I want to say a whole bunch right now, but I'm not going to. But they understand something that we don't. And they understand leadership. There are other cultures out there that understand that when change needs to happen in a society, God calls, you ready? There are two parts to a societal shift. God calls a leader, and when a leader says yes, and when a people say yes, all of society rises. So God calls somebody into place that's exceptional and says, follow this person. And what, what, what we do in Canada, we're like, there are no people, we're them. We're all them. And God's like, you think about this. This is, this is what we hear in Canada. Oh, there will be this grassroots movement where we'll all rise up and do the right thing together. And we'll all ride unicorns and dance around and, and drink milkshakes. Has, historically, has any change in a society where something wasn't working or where there was injustice, has any change ever happened that you can recall in all of history that has happened like that? Societal change always happens when a leader rises up and says, this is enough. Slavery needs to stop. This is enough. Inequality needs to stop. This is enough. This needs to stop. This is enough. Racism, it needs to stop. It needs to stop. And a people come together to them. And that's when society rises. That's what changes society. That is the only thing that ever has. So there are two parts to societal change. When a leader says yes, but I'm not going to talk because everybody here wants to be like that leader. I want to be the leader. I want to be the... Look, if you can't follow, don't worry about being a leader. But what we've missed in Canada is that the people, you and I, we haven't said Yes. A leader by themselves affects no change at all. They can't. The tip of the spear can do nothing without the rest of the spear and without the force that throws it. And we in Canada, we look and we're like, if we're not the leader, we're not valuable. Therefore, nobody is a leader. Participation badges, everybody. And we have lost our significance that God is commanding us to rise up into. So have you said yes to your leaders? 
If you haven't said yes to your leaders, don't worry about being one because you won't. Have you said yes to the people that God has placed in your life? If you haven't, you'll be stuck in some things forever. There will be some things that you'll be able to get out of, but the things that really matter, you won't be able to. And the long-standing things, you won't be able to. Because when you find, I'm taking out that last week, I was all like, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah. I didn't want to hurt your feelings too soon. Take the word Nehemiah out. We're looking for solutions, but you need to follow your leader. And when you follow your leader, you find the solution. When you, when you go to small group and you follow the leadership of the people in small group and, you, and you, start, you get an impartation from people that God has only placed there for you. You cannot wear yoga pants and force him to give it to you by yourself. That's not how it works. Follow your leader and wear snow pants and a neck warmer. Dang. There are three things that only a leader can do for you. There are three things that only, now you can do this in your own life, but there will be some things in your life that you will not be able to get. There are three things that only a leader will do for you. Are you ready? The first thing is assess. We're going to study in the life of Nehemiah today how he assesses the broken state of Jerusalem. Now, I know that you are trying to assess your own life, but here's, I was talking to somebody yesterday and she was just being honest. She's like, here I am, I'm this old. I know what's wrong, but I still can't fix it. I'm like, yeah, the leadership thing. That's where she's at. That's where we're at. That's where we're at as a culture. That's where we're at as a church. The leadership thing. The leadership thing. A leader has this amazing courage to assess the damage as it really is. Because you and I, when we've made mistakes, and when we don't have the courage to really call it what it is sometimes. To sit in the middle of it because it, it causes us great fear and hopelessness. There is something that when God ordains a leader to lead you, there is something of that hopelessness that somehow doesn't taint them. And they are willing to look at it as it really is. You won't see some things in your life as it really is. You will just see them as you are. And you will make excuses. And a, when a leader comes in, they're just like, here's what's really going on. Here's what's really going on. And they lend you their courage. That's the first thing is assess. A leader helps you assess. The second thing is that a leader can create a sense of urgency. Leaders have this gift of energy. They can create a sense of urgency. Until it's hot, you won't move. You're where you're at because you're comfortable there. It might be broken, but you're comfortable. Look, if you were uncomfortable enough to move, that's what leaders do. They create a sense of urgency like, no, come on, we've got to do it. You're going to see it in the life of Nehemiah. Come on, come on, come on. We've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go. This can't go on anymore. We've got to go. A leader, having a good leader is like having a drone that flies up above you and you're in a tunnel. And you're... We all got tunnel vision. Well, you're locked in a tunnel. And a leader is like a drone that's like, no, 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 we got to change direction now. No, we got to do this. We got to do this. But a poor follower only goes where their eyes can see. We only trust what we think. We only trust what we see. That's the trouble. You're in a tunnel. You're in a trench. You can't see above that. And a good leader helps you assess it and then creates a sense of urgency because they can actually take, they paint tomorrow, they paint today with tomorrow's, get this, get this. I thought of this line early. They paint today with tomorrow's paintbrush. Not paintbrush, paintbrush. They take the pain of where you're headed and bring it into today to get you to move and avoid that. They preach a hot hell. But listen, if separation from God is as terrible as it sounds, man, we got to preach it. We got to say it. We gotta, that's what God is saving people from this, and connecting him to himself and all the benefits of the kingdom of God. Well, you won't move there until it's so uncomfortable that, you, that, that moving is less painful than staying. You're welcome. That's a leader's job, to make where you are more painful than where you're going. The third thing that a leader does is creates momentum. A leader, uh, particularly a point leader, now there's leadership, leadership just means influence. 
So somebody is going to look to you for leadership, but I'm specifically talking about point leadership today. And per capita, there's not that many point leaders. And we need to understand that if it's not your gift and you try to be a point leader, it will be the worst experience of your life. You won't have the grace to do it. It would be like me really wanting to have a baby. But, you know, here's the thing. Aaron has the babies in our home. And some of us so desperately want to be in charge of everything. And God's like, that would be the worst thing for you. First of all, it's impossible because that's not the gift I gave you. It's not your grace. You might be an amazing level two that nothing is going to get built without you. You might be an amazing number three. You might be an amazing number four. You might be an amazing number ten. And if you get out of it's like a flock of geese flying. There's somebody that's looking to you there. But if you want to be that point person and you insist on that and you step into that role, it will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your family. It will be too hard for you. Because the wind is cold out there. And you can't remember your own neck warmer. That's just a thing. Momentum. Point leaders create momentum out of just about nothing. If you had a little bit of momentum, this is why financial freedom small group is so important. There's this like pay off the small debt first. Well, that doesn't make financial sense to me. Like I'm such a logical person, right? And, and Dave Ramsey's like, no, pay off the, the, the smallest debt first. I'm just going to give you just a little 1% of that whole thing. You need to go through that yourself. Pay off the smallest debt first. And then it creates a snowball effect. And you get a small victory. And a leader will help you get a small victory and then it'll get another one. Then you'll get another one. And momentum starts, and momentum starts. A, a natural-born leader can create momentum out of nothing. One time we were at, um, we, were, we had heard that we were going to watch Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark when we were kids. And my friend, he had this gift. He had my brother and I running around the house, because our, our parents were friends, running around the house screaming and dancing and singing like the Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark song. I don't even know what that is. And halfway through, like running through this house, he got us all worked up. I finally stopped him and said, who's Indiana Jones? I've never seen Indiana Jones before. I don't know who it is. Raiders of the Lost. I don't even, what, what's an ark? And I realized he's got a gift for building momentum. He got us excited about something that we didn't even know what was going to It's a gift. Nehemiah chapter 2. So I arrived, Nehemiah says, in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anybody, anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. He says, we took no pack animals with us except the donkey that I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's wall, and over to the dung gate to inspect, listen, inspect the broken walls and burn gates. So such a burden as God placed on this leader's heart that he moves, you know, some hundreds and hundreds of miles away from his comfy position and he moves to take up the burden of his people and he moves because Jerusalem is in disarray and they're at the, the mercy of their enemies and he moves there to do this and, and what happens is the first thing he does he's there for a few days just resting and then he goes out at nighttime to inspect the walls and that word inspect means to probe a wound to see how bad it is assess Assess to probe a wound to see how bad it is. That takes an extraordinary amount of courage. To sit down in the middle of it and actually feel the, the emotional import of how bad things really are. Leaders have a miraculous pain tolerance. Respect your leaders. They have a miraculous pain tolerance. They have your pain. They have their pain. But they feel, Paul says, Paul the Apostle says, Man, when people get led astray, I burn with anger. Man, when something's not working in your life, man, it hurts me. We sometimes look at, I was telling some people last night, I said, we sometimes look at leaders because they have to have a tough skin. We look at them and we think that they're insensitive. No, they're more sensitive. 
We look at them and think like they're, they don't understand how afraid I am. No, no, they've dealt with all the fear that you've dealt with. They've walked right down into the middle. They've hit rock bottom where there was nothing else but God. And that's why they have courage. They've been places where you haven't been emotionally. So don't ever look up and be like, oh, they don't know how I'm feeling. No, they do. That's the thing. Like, not specifically, but they know they have been down at the bottom of something incredibly painful. It demands respect from us. Then he says, I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. The rubble. The rubble. The, the things that you walk around, you have a problem with your teenager. You don't know how to discipline your teenager. You don't know how to... And they're bad attitudes, and they're just kicking up a stink every day. You just walk around it. Just walk around it until your leader comes in and is like, why are your teenager acting like that, man? Let's get a grip on this thing. Let's bring some discipline. Let's go. So, though it was still dark, he says, I went up the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone, get this, about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. Now, there's something in here that um, a point leader has a unique burden has a unique burden that they need to create, God needs to create in them, are you following me? A template that is outside of the people that they follow. He had not told anybody, why? Because one hopeless word in this moment could wreck the whole thing. And the hopelessness of the people couldn't infect him as well. The, the, in some regard, the laziness of the people, the people that were just settled, they were just okay, they were just comfortable, that, that thing just couldn't, infect him. He had to have an outside thing that he remained upset enough to do. But if he had the hopelessness that sometimes you feel like, I just can't do this, I just can't go on. If your leader felt that, then they would never be able to be as hard on you as they're going to have to be to get you through that wall. And you got to go right through that wall sometimes. And you've been sitting there for so long and, and you're like growing into the ground, you know? You're just sitting there for so long that the leader's like, come on, let's go. And if, and if they felt your hopelessness, they wouldn't be able to tell you like, no, it's time to go, let's do this. Let's get through this. It's time to get through this. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we're in. Opening sentence. You know very well what trouble we're in. Watch this sense of urgency. Watch what happens in just a few sentences. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Three sentences. Listen to the force of will that comes with this. Man, that's what leaders do. They, they walk into a room and by the force of will, something starts to shift and change. They bring this, this, this power of God with them when, when it's a God-appointed leader. They just bring this energy and like, you know very well what disgrace we're in. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. It's time to stop this disgrace. And then, very wisely, he says, I told them about the gracious hand of God that had been on me and about my conversation with the king. He started creating little winds. See, 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 it's already starting. It's already starting. I have favor with the king. You didn't know that, but I have favor with the king. Uh, this happened hundreds of miles away, but I had, and they start, he starts creating a story that starts creating momentum. And then he says, and then they said this, they replied at once. See, it's not enough for a leader to say yes. Now the people have to say yes. Then, then it says, um, they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. I love what my daughter Arwen said. It's never too late to start, and it's always too early to quit. I don't care how long you've been suffering with something and how many problems you've had and how long standing they've been, how long that wall has been there. It is never too late to start. By the grace of God, we're going to get through that and we're going to get through it together. 
let us rise up and let us build this wall. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, you remember the bad guys from last week? When they heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? This is when somebody else projects their own problems on you. I replied, the God of heaven. Nehemiah says, well, help us succeed. Do you remember David's words to Goliath? No, 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 no. It's not just me. You got a problem with God. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. But you have, listen to this, you have, when you put somebody else in your life and, and, and they're on the throne of your life and they're leading you around, you got the wrong friends, you got, and you got the wrong, or you yourself are your own leader. You ready? He says to them, and sometimes you need to say to you, if you're sitting on the throne of your life, you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in this city. That's right. I like that. I thought that was good. God will never make you your own leader. See, the Bible describes this as sheep. And do you know what makes a sheep extremely unhappy? And what creates an unhappy life for a sheep? Trying to be a shepherd. That seems really loud to me. That's... Thank you, guys. I realize that we all need leadership. We all need leadership. And the only thing that makes a sheep happy is following a shepherd. And so often we've been trying to be happy, but it's not healthy when we're trying to be a shepherd. And we're only happy when we're healthy, and the healthiest thing for a sheep is to follow a shepherd. I realized back in the summertime, you know, just in the direction of our church and stuff, I, I went to, we went to our organization, who is ARC, and, and, and Pastor Chris Hodges, who is kind of the founder of all of that, he was talking about how the church was set up, and I realized I went there in the summer with, with Pastor Aaron, and I'm like, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to set up our finances the way that he does. Aren't you glad that you have a pastor that can do that? I don't have to figure it out. He already figured it out. There's an anointing on his life. There's an anointing from, from the Ark Church. There's an anointing that I want in on. And if i got to figure it out, I can live to be 100 and I'll never figure that out. So I went there and I'm just like, I'm just going to say yes. And I did. I sat in on the financial. I sat in on some of the structural things. I'm just like, we're just going to do what they do. That's what we're going to do. Sure. Well, I have to be unique. And I have to, we got lots of, we can be unique. I get that. We can tune into Airdrie. I get that. But we did that. We, we made some shifts. And then I have some other pastor friends of mine, because I got leaders too. And I called them up in the summer and they're like, hey, have you thought about this? And hey, have you thought about this? And hey, have you thought about this? And I'm just like, I'm just going to do what they told me to do. Have you noticed that the church has grown by 50% since then? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Corey, Pastor Corey's a genius. No! I'm a sheep. And when I followed my leaders, and when we as a church follow our leaders, there's a blessing of God on it. That yeah. you can struggle your whole life and never get, because God has put it in somebody else's heart for you. Yeah. And I realized, do you know why we don't sleep at night? Do you know why we're so stressed out? Do you know why we suffer the problems of fear? Because we're trying to be our own leader. Yeah. You're trying to have a baby, and you're not a girl. <laughs> no wonder you're sweating a lot. I saw this thing on America's Funniest Home Videos. This little boy's just like, oh. and mom's like, what are you doing? I'm trying to grow up. <laughs> and some of us have been trying to grow up for so long. And God's like, relax, relax. Yeah. I've sent somebody to you with an answer for you. Yeah. How well can you follow them? Because how you, well you follow, listen, 
how well we follow our leaders is how well we follow God. If I send my daughter to my staff in the church and say, hey, can you deliver a message to them? Where are the police checks for venue kids? Or, or where is this? And they come back and the staff are like, who are you, Ailish? You're like 14. And who are you? We don't have to listen to you. We'll decide if we police check our kids' workers. We always do, by the way. I'm just, I had to come up with something. Do you realize how personal it is to God when he gives you a leader that you won't follow? When the words of a leader come to you and you're like, but I'm waiting to hear from God. And God's like, I'm trying to talk to you. I'm already speaking. I'm already speaking. I'm already speaking. I'm already speaking. It's personal to me. I've sent them to you because you can't hear everything directly the way that I want to. A, because I don't want to. And B, because you can't. It's easier to hear from a flawed person. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here. I ask that your spirit would would come upon us and show us the true nature of our God and the power of how you structure things. So that, Father, when we get comfortable in our own skin and comfortable in our place and comfortable sometimes just being sheep and quit having sleepless nights because we forget that we're not in charge. I pray that you would cause us to relax and and live in our gifting. Just, Father, as as I have, have started to live in my own gifting, even the past six months since we just... I just said yes. And I realized, oh my goodness, my schedule is cleared up. And now the people with the right gifts are on our team. And, and they're doing the work that I wasn't doing that well before anyways. And I just realized I have more time. I can relax more. And I can just do what you've called me to do. And Father, I pray for every person here in every struggle. In every marriage struggle. In every parenting. In every friendship. In every financial struggle. Every personal struggle. In every addiction struggle. I pray, Heavenly Father, that... That you would show us right now, Father, who are our leaders that we could follow, who could actually help us, bring us the discipline, and bring us the guidance from, from your mouth, Father, the words in your heart, so that we could be encouraged and start moving in the right direction. Show us who that is this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.